0: Will there be attitudinal uh, shift where we just go, well, you know, sometimes it's going to blow up, sometimes it's going to taste crappy, but that's what the cause of good beer is all about, (laughs) accepting that sometimes, you know, sometimes it's sunshine and some days it's clouds. (laughs) It's
1: Easter. It's Easter. And Good Brews Week is unwrapping the best news, views and opinions in the beer world this week. This is Good Brews Week and I'm your host Pete Mitchum. Thanks to Cryer Malt with over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are very proud supporters of Brews News. Another very proud supporter of Brews News is the bloke who really created it all and that's Matt kirkegaard G'day Matt.
0: Good morning Pete. you're sounding. We've got you on assignment today. Uh, You're on the phone not at 100% dulcetivity but still sounding good. Uh, Yes mate,
1: you'll have to speak up. I'm standing (laughs) out in the field. (laughs) Now as we speak, I'm at and I should just point out for locals who may be in the know, I'm staying at the north end of Maslin Beach or or Maslin Beach North, uh, which is the off-dog lead part of uh, Australia's uh, one of Australia's most famous beaches here on the Florio Peninsula in South Australia. Uh, the south end of the beach is Australia's first official unclad beach. <laughs> or, uh, I notice all the signs everywhere. My girls are going, what does what unclad mean? I said, it means you don't have to pack your bathers, kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, just as, sure, just as sure as you did, Pete, there's a mental image <laughs> that did. none of us
1: need. <laughs> no, that's it. We're at the, we're at the, the north end. So, um, yeah, there's more dog turds than titties, I have to say. Uh, but no, look, it's a really beautiful beach, um, and it's just one of those, a good opportunity to do, I guess, what our parents did for us, Matt, and I'm sure I speak for you as well, um, although in much higher levels of comfort, and that's to do the old road trip. <laughs> um, and so as soon as the girls started complaining, oh, it's been two hours, that's it, mate, I'll tell you what, just be thankful there's not six of you in this thing with uh, you know, vinyl seats boiling hot. Um, no air conditioning. You want You want air conditioning, you put the window down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, stopped at some lovely places on the way and have um, met some lovely beer people and have had some lovely beer, which I'll, I guess we'll, we'll talk about over the, over the coming weeks.
0: Looking forward to it?
1: Suffice it to say that uh, two years ago, we um, – actually, nearly three years ago, the IBA held what is now known as BrewCon over here in South Australia, which was the first sort of off-site, I think, uh, no, Brisbane. Brisbane was the first one, wasn't it? Four, four years ago. It was Brisbane and then Adelaide, um, yes. Yeah, so Adelaide. And, and it's it's really interesting to see the growth in both the number of breweries, the maturity in the scene, uh, but also the fact that look, you, you have to lament the fact that there are more breweries, but there aren't more taps. But there's more packaged beer getting out there. Um, quick example for our listeners, um, my, my hopes went high when I – I got into town and I actually bought a, a six-pack with me just in case we were going to get stuck. But then uh, we landed sort of very late in the afternoon on uh, a Sunday, Sunday, I think. Yeah. And I thought, look, I, I might, if, we, if we're lucky, there might be a, you know, a BWS or a drive-through bottle or, or something. Anyway, we found, oh, good, cool, celebrations at a little place called Moana Heights. And popped up there, and the first thing I saw, even just before I even walked in the door, you, you could look straight down the aisle to the beer fridge, and you could just see a big, a full stock of um, full core range modus operandi. And I thought, okay, well, <laughs> that's a pretty good sign, considering I'd seen that before I saw any, you know, West End, any Furphy, anything else. Um, walked in, and they had uh, a really great range, uh, small quantities of, you know, like maybe uh, a broken up case or two of a lot of the, the local breweries So uh, managed to stock up there Got some big shed Got some smiling Samoyed, um And some Swell So that, that was a, nice, a very nice surprise
0: Nice, nice And uh, did you check the dates on any of those Or will we come to that in the, uh, in, in, in the beer news <laughs> <laughs> I, think,
1: I think we'll probably be beating that horse uh, Giving it a fair run for its money As the show goes on that So Matt making headlines this week and the first one that came up uh, early in the week, uh, Rape Beer teams up with Gabs Festival, uh, and this Matt is
0: sent in by Matt Stanfield through dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Radio Brews News Facebook group. It, it was great to see so many. There were people jumping on, you know, within you know uh, an hour of the of the last episode um, in which we announced it going live, and uh, I, I believe it was a local boy who's uh, in Canada at the moment, um, working over there. Was the fir- was the first on. So welcome to all of our Facebook listeners, um, or listeners on Facebook. And uh, don't forget, you can join the conversation because beer is a conversation, and uh, you can be part of that conversation in the uh, Radio Bruce News Facebook group. Um, just jump on and let us know that soapbox is the key word.
1: That's it. So they've just got to type that in when they when they get the request to to join.
0: Yeah, it just comes up with a question. If you can't remember soapbox, and how can you not remember soapbox? Uh, there have been a couple of people that have um, made up their own little answers that indicated that they knew a thing or two about the um, uh, uh, about the podcast. So, uh, but anyway, wel- welcome listeners.
1: Out of interest, Joe, how many people who didn't know the um, the code word guessed something that had either Brewdog or Stone
0: in the title? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, prof, on, on that last week, uh, the, the the show title was. Ich been nein Berliner, which was you know a, you know bad schoolboy German, um, but apparently uh, it, it should have been it it been Kein Berliner if it was going to be grammatically correct.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, not to be confused with Keiner, which is the same word but with a 'n' E on the end, which means a little.
0: Uh, okay. Um,
1: so I'm a little Berliner. Um, no, you're quite right because there's an expression in Germany, and I don't know whether it's just a complete piss take, but um, it's kein beer für vier, which means no beer before four, as in mm. four o'clock in the afternoon. I've never, I haven't met many Germans who abide by that. Yeah,
0: um, but yeah, anyway. So, uh, but that, that that came to us uh, in in the in the Facebook group as well. But it was a deliberate um, uh, because yes. I, I think most people know nine. Um, any no. as no, and most people yeah. like I didn't know. Kind, uh, I don't. My German uh, isn't good enough to uh, to actually know that. So um, uh, anyway, yeah. So grammatically, maybe not strictly correct, but I thought it was still a great show title. Do
1: you know what the best thing about it is, Matt? It's it's that we, between yourself uh, and Joe and myself, we've kind of we've crafted this this thing. We've you know we've we've been out in the shed for a, a week or two, and we've kind of. <laughs> Built this thing, we cobbled it together, but it's great to see the kids actually using it.
0: <laughs> so anyway, um, but, but but it did come to us. Yeah, Matt uh, Stansfield did say, uh, point out that Rate Beer teams up with Gab's Festival. There was a little bit of concern about what it means and particularly what it means with the Hottest 100. And uh, Prof, you did do a little bit of uh, sleuthing and uh, you can report back. Yeah, I did. I,
1: I happen to be um, speaking to insiders from Gab's anyway. Just just that interest, you know, this has is, this is popped up on our new uh, Facebook group, Um Code word soapbox. Get on there and uh, and join us. And it was sort of like, look at this. It's just a um, Redbeard has uh, come forward and offered to sponsor the people's choice side of things. So it's that um, in the, in the past it's been done by I'm pretty sure only uh, Dan Murphy's. And at the Dan Murphy's sort of activation point, they've had uh, a series of tablets where you could go on um, and it was loaded up there for you and you could just vote on your people's choice beer. Now, I, I didn't get a chance. It was a really quick phone call. That's all it is at, at this stage. There is no, um, oh, and we, you know, because the Facebook group comments sort of hinted at, oh, is this, you know, the, is it the thin end of the wedge? So uh, are they going to then want to sponsor the, the Gab Otis 100? And there's there's nothing to suggest that there's anything in the works like that. Um, but then again, there was no. I think for the last couple of years, I think it, as I say, Dan Murphy's was the sponsor for the People's Choice Award. So that may change in the future. I don't know.
0: It's a big festival, you know. People, there was a bit of gnashing of teeth when Dan Murphy's came on board uh, with Gabs, and you know, you've got the yender wheel and things like that. That's what it takes to run a big festival that um, you know does do those sorts of things. Uh, I can understand why Rate Beer would want to be associated with the the hottest one hundred. Um, or the Gabs Festival, um, because it is a beer rating and, you know, voting site. Um, But, yeah, I I, I don't see it as a precursor to um, rate beer buying the Gabs Festival or buying uh, the the Hollis 100.
1: And and it's as natural a a partnership as as Dan Murphy's was with the Hollis 100. Uh, And, yeah, in the same way that um, Malt Shovel, uh, you know, the, the bigger breweries, want to make Gab's fears, um, it's all just, a, you know, it's it's part of being something, part of being a part of something uh, that is very important. It's a very important uh, event on the, on the calendar. Yeah, so moving on,
0: Malt Shed. Speaking of Malt
1: Shovel. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, Malt Shed drops brewery in trademark settlement. Uh, Victoria's Malt Shed Brewery will no longer operate under that name following the settlement of a trademark uh, dispute with lion-owned Malt Shovel Brewery. Um we, we talked last year uh, with Jay uh, from Revel, which was formerly uh, malt Brewing um that ran into similar uh, similar issues malt shed and there was actually a bit of discussion back then, prof about how malt shed got away with it um, when malt brewing didn't.
1: Yeah because so Revel so so back then malt they were at Nets Boimba, isn't it? It is Boimba, yes, which is a suburb of Brisbane. it is, yes, and malt shed brewery uh, is in Wangaratta, which is a a border town sort of northeast of Victoria, part of the um, Victoria's high country. Uh, At that stage, they had and still do have a very small um, capacity, you know, basically a pilot brewing kit that they can brew uh, their beers through. And then some of their other canned product that they're uh, using, a a package product to to take away from the venue is being contract brewed. I don't know whether that meant that it kind of just slipped under the radar because I was discussing with you, Matt, and I, I think I've spoken to – and a shout-out to, to Grant Jones, who I know listens to the program from um, uh, the Malt Shed in Wangaratta. Uh, I was surprised that, for me, if Revel as Malt was seen by Lion to be a little bit too close um, to Malt Shovel, which is the – if you like, the umbrella brand for uh, – or the umbrella company for the the James Squire Range of beers that malt shed was even closer to malt shovel, uh, so it, it surprised me that it took this long. Uh, but I think too that it's worth pointing out that uh, Lion were, I'm going to say, terrific in the way that they worked with Rebel, and I have a feeling that did they um, offer to pick up the cost of um, you know trademark application or settlement or something like that um, for the guys? So it was it was very much a polite phone call that wasn't saying, we will crush you like an ant. Um, it was even before that it,
0: opened, yeah. So the, I think they'd sort of started moving headline, reached out, said, look, you know, guys, there's a potential for confusion. Um, it was even before there was, uh, you know, there, there was no trademark uh, discussion. I think w- w- with this one, mulchhead late last year uh, applied for its trademark. And that was, or no, so early last year um, applied for it. And then the process is that it's then accepted for, um, you know, registration. But that's when the pro—it's it, not actually um, being accepted stamps. as a trademark. Yeah. So it's being accepted yeah. for registration. It needs to um, pass a couple of um, basic. So, uh, yeah. Yes, tests. it's not
1: rude. Yes, it's not suggestive of anything else or
0: you know it's not generic and so generic that um and and that's there were some comments read the article because there were some comments from uh james homond um a regular listener um of the programs of talking about uh some of the reasons um but i think that the the malt shed guys thought that once it was accepted on the register um pre-advertising everything that they had the trademark and so they're, they're they're quite upset um uh, about that, but Lion, you know, once it was advertised, Lion then issued a um, uh, like an opposition to it, or registered an opposition to it, and there was a bit of a discussion. So it doesn't sound like that process has been quite as um, friendly as the uh, malt brewing slash Revel in Brisbane was. But it also sounds like, you know, from from James's comments, he's actually surprised that he's that Lion uh, malt shovel. Has let Malt Shed stay as Malt Shed and just drop the brewery because they are quite close. And he expressed the view that it was probably Line not wanting to be seen as the big, um, you know, gorilla throwing its weight around. And it was just the the confusion with Malt Shed brewing and Malt Shovel Brewery that was probably uh, number one win. So, um, not nice to see. Yeah, you can certainly understand why Line would want to protect its. Intellectual property, and it, it sounds like they have uh, done the right thing as much as possible. But it, it, it's just one of those lessons. A lot of our listeners are, um, you know, brewing industry aspirants. And, you know, make sure you do check these things out um, very early on in the piece, um, you know, before you actually start moving ahead um, and, and becoming really uh, attached to your name. Um, it, it is well worth checking these things out.
1: That's it because you, you would hope that in ten years' time you've got a brand to protect and somebody else comes along with something similar you would you would be in exactly the same position as Lion and I guess a, a good example would be if somebody started a blog or a, a news website called Australian Beer News would that be kind of you know a bit too close to Bruce News or uh, you
0: know <laughs> finally, not looking well, fun- no no I'm
1: well not not- that on anyone
0: God this is the cobbler uh, whose children getting around barefoot um, because I've been very slack and I don't think. Um, we have the, maybe uh, James O'Mond, I'll have to be putting out a call to him, uh, whether we should be <laughs> registering, uh, you know, Australian Brews News a, as a trademark, because I did see, you know, it, it's always shortened to Brews News, and I did see that um, one brewing industry training consultant had his uh, newsletter go out this week um, oh, that had... Not booze News. Tell me it's Brews News. No, no, it was Brews News. No, it was uh, sort of talking about, uh, you know, and I sort of thought, oh. that's a little bit close to home. I wonder what I can do about that. But, you know, it's just one of those things.
1: There we go. So beware, beware kids. Yes. Do your homework before you get attached to your name.
0: Matt, uh, (laughs) Carlsberg beer
1: sucks, says Carlsberg. Uh,
0: Well, (laughs) great headline. It's it's a headline that I would have uh, liked to have written on Bruce News. Of course, we're far too augusta um, and uh, sober a publication of that sort of headline. But, yes... uh, Probably the best beer in the world, um, was, uh, Carlsberg was famous for, um, and now saying probably not the best beer in the world. Uh, Carlsberg is kicking off a major overhaul of both its marketing campaign and its brewing process in an attempt to get back to living up to its one-time reputation. Among other things, the changes to the former will involve admitting to the world that it has been turning out substandard beer for some time now. While the price will be going up by an amount undetermined as of the article's publication, the new look campaign will also include updated packaging, uh, said to reduce plastic waste by 50%, and an overhaul brewing process. So it sounds like they're actually going to be turning it into a pilsner. Um, You know, the 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 highly debauched pilsner style of beer that Carlsberg came to represent is actually going to go back. Yeah, which
1: yeah, which I I, I was just going to say. I had a feeling that it was originally a pilsner. Style beer because in the same way that uh, Heineken you know was a, a little beer that was thrown into the world Expo in Paris I think in like 1894 or something and won the the Grand Prix you know the, yeah, the but gold it's, medal
0: um, it, it's the same name but the beer is completely different they, they still trade yeah. on that bullshit for um
1: yeah yeah but it was uh, Carlsberg I guess when I started sort of delving into the world of uh, of, of international beer, Carlsberg was kind of the Fosters of Denmark, so it was. Uh, it's not the one we drink here. We drink Tuborg here. Yes. Carlsberg is the one that we we send all around the world, sort of thing. Um, but it, it has had that kind of, I guess, for a while. It had that 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 same prestige that you know. Oh, I can get a stellar Artois that's imported from Belgium or a Peroni or whatever it might be. The, so the recipe change obviously will 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 go worldwide. Upgrading the uh, the packaging, well, that can be done easily, but the. An overhaul brewing process. So, I wonder whether in some areas of the, the brewing world, those who brew Carlsberg will be required to I don't know, put in cross flow filtration or uh, centrifuge.
0: or... That's one of the great um, furfies, for want of a better word, one of the great misnomers of the, the beer world. You know, when we talk about um, you know, Crown Lager being a better beer than VB. Um, it, it, it's 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 not as if suddenly the brewers are washing their hands when they're making Crown Lager. You know, it, it's coming yeah, off. Come the on, same... boys, let's get serious now. We're yeah, brewing Crown. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's you know. Oh, anyway, so without going, there are articles on the site that um, we can sort of link to talking about uh, John Cousins talking about the difference. But it, it, it's not a better beer in terms of the quality. It's I, I think what they're talking about, and particularly if they're talking about bringing uh, Pilsner out. They're going to, you know, potentially instead of using liquid, uh, you know, pre isomerized hop, hop, hop extracts, they might go back to using, uh, you know, hop pellets or something like that to give it that little bit of extra character, um, lift the, the the bitterness a little bit, um, make it an all-malt beer. Um, you know, those are the sorts of things which which are actually about a flavour quality and a perception of quality born of flavour is is what I'm hearing uh, or, or reading into all of this. And one of the things that's driving that is um, we have seen beer consumption going down, and um, everyone's talking about premiumisation of of the beer industry, um, where people aren't the mainstream traditional beers that you know that, that are your dad's beer aren't what people want to drink anymore. So um, you, you do have this incredible brand called Carls- Carlsberg that people know but they've stopped drinking the beer because people are moving towards better versions or craft versions. And you you can't suddenly turn Carlsberg into a craft brand, but what you can do is to say, look, we did lose our way, we're no longer the premium beer that we promised you that we were, and we're going to go up. And you can't just do that and make the same beer. So I I think that we're going to see them sort of step the flavour up a little bit. So when you taste it, you go, oh, yeah, actually, this is a much better beer.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just in the... Given, this is an episode in which we give you a couple of different words in different languages. Carlsberg, Matt? Carls Hill, isn't it? Was, was, was Carl Carlsberg, the King? Carls Hill, yeah, cause, uh, cause yeah. Center yeah.
0: Center. There, so, so Carl, there could be
1: a trademark issue here with Konigsberg, which is the King's Hill. Yes. Um, and Carlsberg, which is the Carls Hill. Was Carl like a king of Denmark? Is that, or was it Carlsberg oh, was the.
0: the I, look, I, I have Googled. I, I don't want to be sort of tapping the uh, keyboard too much, but uh, <laughs> um, Carlsberg is produced, uh, is an international partner brand of Coopers, which produces Carlsberg Lager and Carlsberg Elephant Lager. Well, oh, there we go. So, listeners, go and do your research and uh, let us know in the Facebook group uh, whether Carl was a king of Denmark. That's it. But that, that's an
1: interesting one because yeah, it's, it's the first time that I guess rather than. Uh, just looking at marketing, they're actually, a, a big brewery is looking at actually changing its product to make it uh, better. But that, because they've been which tinkering,
0: is- you know, like we, we saw um, Peroni come out and oh, we're putting the beer in a different bottle, which is what Heineken did a couple of years ago. And, you know, whenever they need a little bit of a sales bump, because they don't change the beer except for the worse. Um, you know, these beers have been uh, international brands that were once a, you know, Pilsner style beer, but... They, they go down the route of becoming more and more generic and less and less bitterness. And for years they've, chained, they've chased the um, th- this isn't meant to sound um, um, judgment later, but you know the declining beer palate of consumers, where you know, there has been a noticeable trend for you know the last 20 years that consumers have wanted less and less bitterness in beer. these beers have become sweeter and less bitter as they've gone. Um, and there's not much that they could say about the liquid, um, and so they, they've been dicking around with the um, uh, packaging for for a long time. So it is interesting to see that Carlsberg, that has um, run this campaign that probably the best beer in the world, is now saying, "Look, we actually weren't, and we're going to put the focus on the liquid." Um, so yeah, so so that is a very big, uh, the, the, you know, it, it's a very big sign for the, um, you know, conniptions that the. Uh, big end of the brewing world are going through
1: yeah and speaking of international brands Matt our next headline uh Constellation Brands closing two Bellas Point locations and abandoning plans for a San Francisco brew pub so this follows on the back of uh, news that we broke last week and the week before about some of the bigger breweries uh kind of uh, downsizing or uh resizing or rethinking their plans for the future
0: yeah, it's not, so it's not just the big end of the the beer market, it's the big end of the craft market that's, um, you know, sort of going through some challenges. Um, you know, as we, we talked about, uh, Stone Brewing not only, you know, sort of gave up uh, its German brewery, but it's also, um, you know, we've seen sales declines across it, New Belgium, um, uh, Deschutes um, cancelled its plans to expand, and now Constellation Brands, which famously bought Ballast Point for a Billion dollars. Um, picture me doing the uh, Doctor Evil um, gesture there. Uh, <laughs> um, the, yeah, bought it. Does that for, make me? Does that make mini me? <laughs> uh, I don't know. See, yeah, there, there's a picture. Some, but anyway, can
1: somebody can somebody make that into a picture on our Facebook <laughs> page we
0: digress um, but yeah so and there was a lot of talk um, about the hubris and the hype around a uh, billion dollars for um, the brand um, and it's been devalued I think twice over the last couple of years you know the um, the, the the brand value um, has been been uh, uh, devalued twice, so where they've taken, I think a two hundred million dollar write off um, in brand equity over that period, which basically says yes, we did overpay by a huge amount. Um, but now we're actually seeing they're uh, um, cutting back, and uh, actually another little, uh, just in the notes, it says right sizing as it reorganised sales operations and task reps. Um, Jeff Alworth, who we talked about last week um, in relation to Stone. Had a little tweet, um, you know, please don't use the word right-sizing, you know, which is just one of those um, weasel words that hide the fact that we're actually um, giving people the arse. We're sacking sacking Yeah,
1: we're sacking staff is basically what right-sizing
0: is. And and, and maybe you you do have too many staff, which is why you're sacking staff, but let's not um, hide the... Uh, human element um, of the move um, by focusing on the business because people get hurt um, when these things happen.
1: But, exactly. um, and look, I, don't, I don't know about you, Matt, but my Facebook feed often pops up with, uh, you know, whenever there's a fresh batch of Ballast Point sculpting around. And then we put, has anyone seen this? Or has anyone tried this? Or I'm about to try this. Um, so it does show that you know, Ballast Point is one of those uh, brands that, that really has some traction in the Australian market, particularly with people who enjoy uh, imported beers and, and want to, yeah, I guess, chase those those hard to get sort of beers or the, 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 the hyped beers, if you like, or the, or the, the, the highly revered beers. Um, so for them to be sort of pulling back, yeah, it either indicates, you know what, we kind of got into a bit of a race uh, to maintain our market share that perhaps we shouldn't have, or, you know, the palates changing. Um, yes, there are more beer drinkers. They're not necessarily moving to craft or from craft. You know, perhaps they're, they're moving
0: to uh, wines or spirits or whatever it might be. No, see, I, yeah, look, it, it, it's one of those things. A lot of these, like the the billion dollars was paid, The, the a lot of the expansion plans that um, have now been shelved um, all took place when the craft beer industry was growing at high double digits. Um, you know, we're now seeing 4%. Bart Watson... The Economist with the uh, Brewers Association now saying, you know, this is the new normal. Um, and I, you know, I actually remember, you know, Bart, we got Bart on the podcast a couple of years ago and he's going, oh, no, you know, we're still going to see growth. You know, 25% is our target, all of these things. Um, and, you know, thinking, well, you know, you ask one economist and you get four answers. Um, and there, there seems to me um, a problem with, craft beer the mindset around it is that craft is small um and once brands get too big there seems to be a glass ceiling um that they can't really get through or they can't smash through and they're trying to find ways around it and uh you know boston beer company is one of those um you know more than half of its volume these days is outside of beer Um, non-traditional
1: beer brand yeah beer products
0: yeah um and we, we we have seen you know the new Belgiums and the you know sort of the, the big American breweries stone is a great example um, where you know we will never sell our send our beers um, elsewhere because we can't control distribution suddenly they start taking you know their their growth in their core market starts falling um, and it's well geez we, we need to if we can't sell more in our own market we need to sell more beer around the world and that's where we're going to get um, you know, we're going to um, grow internationally. And, uh, you know, that does come with compromises. And, you know, as I keep saying, when you start making those compromises, you're actually compromising the brand promise that the craft beer has. And, uh, you know, no one can say that Constellation or um, Ballast Point isn't making great beer. Um, Nobody's saying... And they are highly regarded, but they're losing traction in their own markets. And, uh, you know, there, there was a little bit of overconfidence that the, the craft beer um, growth that we were going to see from a few years ago was going to keep going.
1: Yeah. Uh, hey, Matt, I've got a question for you. Yep. You can't taste the independence. You can't taste the ownership. You can't taste, you know, I guess the, the passion that uh, with which your beer is brewed.
0: Uh, let me ask you a question. Can you taste the gender? Yeah, of course you can, Prof. Girls' germs <laughs> No retains. That's <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, beer, beer brewing bias study reveals preference for beer from male brewers. Um, <laughs> there was part of me when I saw this, prof- uh, sorry, I'll just read the, according to research, the sex of the brewer plays an important role in our opinions of the libation. It seems most of us prefer our beer to be brewed by a man. When participants believed the brewer was female, they reported that they would pay less for the beer and they had lower expectations of the taste and quality of the beer. So when women enter a masculine or male-dominant area, they are penalised. Prof, I have to say, look, I couldn't believe this headline when I first read it. Um, you know, you I, ch-
1: I checked. I checked the date. I thought, has this come back from? Is this just the late April Fools?"
0: Yeah, that it's only just have sort of broken into the, the mainstream. Um, yeah, look, and, and I know that there are a lot of knuckleheads in the industry. We saw that last year with Pussy Juice. We constantly see, um, you know, fuckwits on Facebook um, whenever, whenever there's a gender issue. But I was genuinely surprised that people would say. That beer brewed by women, and I would really like to get in the head of some of these knuckleheads and find out, you know, what they're thinking when they say that. Because, um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know what else we can say about that other than it's just worth highlighting. Um, because I, you know, I, I think that this must be a mainstream beer survey of the sorts of guy, you know, like I, I, I don't know without stereotyping too much. Um, no, you
1: it know. struck me as one of those um, articles put out by, or you know, yeah, please put out by. With big beer behind it, trying to kind of, I guess, uh, undermine or or highlight the cliches of 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 some you know craft beer attitudes or or something like that in terms of you know beards and and all that sort of thing. Because the other thing too is you know I, I drink a I drink a stomping ground beer. I don't know whether it's been brewed by Asher or by Charlotte. Mm. Yeah, But Jane doesn't brew all the beers that come out of Two Birds.
0: Yep. But it's owned by um, it, it, it's owned by uh, two women and and that's what i actually think that this must be a, like a mainstream a survey of predominantly mainstream beer drinkers because i think when you just look at the um cultural ethos behind um craft beer and one thing that's driving a lot of the the, the craft beer movement is a greater awareness of issues like this. And so, you know, I just sort of wonder whether the, the, the survey didn't sort of look at more traditional attitudes. Um, but either way, I would just sort of love to to, to get in the minds of the people who sort of said, yes, beer tastes different and they would have lower expectations um, for a beer brewed by women. Exactly.
1: Uh, now, regardless of what beer it is, Matt, let's jump into um, our current affairs deep dive, if you like. And um, <laughs>
0: does beer just blow up? <laughs> Look, Prof. I'm, I'm really Sometimes. conscious now. Now, one one of the things that we haven't sort of talked about yet in the news is um, the amazing photo of Brisbane's Brewdog Brewery, um, which which you might oh, have yeah. seen. Um,
1: well, I just I just figured we'd be picking that up in mailbag because I figured that Brewdog probably would have. Um Contacted you by email um, no, in the last no. week.
0: to <laughs> No, the radically you transparent a site, a site visit. I, I, I took took myself uh, along on a site visit two weeks ago when I was writing about the um, delays for the brewery, just to sort of see whether it progressed much from James's photo in February, um, and it hasn't. Um, but yeah, yesterday uh, or Tuesday night, um, Brisbane time, James uh, posted a photo of this amazing looking brewery, um, and I thought, gee, and and. You know, sort of is saying, it, "Here's s- out." James, James Watt from Brew James Dog. Watt from Brewdog. Here's a sneak peek of our brewery, um, and look, my first thought is, "Gee, has he just really badly worded this, or is it designed to make people think that the brewery is nearly open?" Um, and judging by you know the number of smart people in my news feed and my Twitter feed who actually thought that it was, and and even the comments on it, that people you know thinking, "God, that looks amazing." Um, as if it was actually open um, or ready to open, um, that you know, I just sort of wonder whether it wasn't deliberately um, done. But look, I, I, I had to
1: look at it twice, Matt, because I thought, oh, I tell you what, Brewdog's really pulled their finger out.
0: Yeah, a but a but it, it was certainly seemed designed, and it, it doesn't maybe it, it's got something to do with the fact that um, Brewdog has a very slow moving equity for punks round prof, that they were trying to generate a little bit of excitement and a little bit of you know rattling the tin. By saying, look at how amazing our, um, our Australian brewery is going to look when it's going to look. So
1: their, their AGM wasn't enough.
0: Apparently not. Uh, but anyway, did you, you
1: talk that up, I hope I hope did get a, a chance to have a look at the uh, the AGM.
0: What yeah. <laughs> was? I, have you seen it, Prof? Since last week? No, I haven't had a chance. Okay, go and have a look at it. It's uh, yeah, as I said. Um... I, hear, I hear it's a very good show. Better than Book of Mormon, <laughs> um, but anyway. So, so that was all apropos. Of, I did want to turn this into another bashing of my two favorite breweries because our listeners do get a little bit. But it just happened that yesterday um, there was a uh, post on the We Love Craft Beer Australia. Um, somebody posted a photo of a can of Stone where the top had fair ripped off. Like it, it wasn't a seaming was only
1: barely attached. No, this wasn't a seeming issue. This, this was this had, had ripped. Along uh, below the uh, the seam roll the rim roll,
0: but you you can actually it see appears. well it it it's pulled out from the seam, but you can actually see the um, riffling in the uh, in the edge where it's been under pressure. But the, the, the cap is actually bent um you know the, the, the lid is actually you can sort of see whether the pressure has pushed out on it and it, it drips so this is fair exploded and uh the comment was made have you ever seen a can just explode scared the shit out of me in the next room just sitting in a box with a dozen other beers i picked up about two weeks ago um and it would happen to be um a can of stone tangerine express now I I didn't want to tee off on stone and I just sort of watched this and, you know, like I rolled my eyes quietly um, and I didn't weigh in until, um, you know, somebody tagged uh, the the importer um, and they got the the sales rep on and the sales rep weighed in. And look, I I don't know that the the sales rep, I'm not going to call him out, but there was just this um, post that came on that said, this happens with all beers around the world. It is all part of brewing beer. There are always situations that make importing beer challenging. And there are several reasons why this occurs. Um, It is out of our control. And there were just a couple of things about that that, you know, I I just couldn't, I I just had to, beer doesn't just explode. Um, Now, VB doesn't explode. Um, And there's a reason why those beers became nationally distributed beers because they could guarantee the quality. Um, and pasteurisation was one of those things. And then you get the craft beer people saying, well, look, they're shit beers, um, and we don't want to pasteurise because we don't want to damage our experience. Um, And if we're not going to pasteurise, these sorts of things are going to happen. And to my way of thinking, that's a little bit like saying, you know, in this craft beer revolution, we're going to lose a few soldiers. A couple of us are going to lose our fingers. A couple of us are going to lose our lives. It's a price (laughs) of campaigning for better beer. And it's just <laughs> bullshit. And somebody shared with me, you know, and, you know, beer doesn't just explode. Um, and th- for for people that wonder why I get so, you know, bent out of shape about Greg Cook, um, it is because, you know, 10 years ago when I spoke to him, he did say, these are the reasons why we're not going to send our beer around because it's not quality controlled. Um, when you're sending it um, out of your closed distribution loop when you are sending it across the country even if we send it refrigerated it's going to be so expensive that it's then going to sit on shelves we can't control and you've got a complete about face um, where the importer is now saying look this happens with beer we don't know why it happens it just happens and it just doesn't we know why it happens because you We putting- know why it happens and and, and did, did I hear you
1: correctly, Matt? Was there a comment there that well, it's not the brewer's responsibility? It's not the brewer's responsibility for their own beer. Who, who's this?
0: It? Well, it's it, it's not the distributor's responsibility. Of course, it's the, oh, the distributor. Fucking sorry, distributor's responsibility because they're selling beer that shouldn't be kept warm. You know, warm. This is a this is a beer with tangerine and pineapple juice in. Um, you know, now I don't know. Given the quality of Stone's beers, I'm pretty sure that you know there's not going to be an infection issue. Um, you know, would be willing to, but we've been reading a lot about things like biotransformation uh, lately, where you know um, sugars, you know, complex sugars in um, cans with hops, um, you can get refermentation in the packaging, um, and particularly when it's and you know particularly when it's stored warm, you're going to have these problems. So you've got a distribution company that is knowingly selling these beers warm, and I've you know I'm tired of posting photos of Stone beers that are you know 9, 10, 11, 12 months old, sitting warm on major distribution. That again is within the distributor's um, you know control whether or not they sell to these these, these breweries or not, um, and and it, these venues, yeah, or, or to, 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 yeah to, to these uh, retailers or not. It is completely in their control. And 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 to just throw your hands up and say this happens with all beers as if it's not completely uh, predictable. Um, and you know, one of the things that Greg Cook said ten years ago was, you know, we don't want to go back to the '90s where people had such a bad experience with beer that they stopped buying it. So we need to make sure that we've got to focus on quality. And you know, he was bang on. Yeah, you know, Greg Cook, 2011 was bang on. Um, and you know, when you've got people who are casual consumers of craft beer buying beer and it's fucking exploding in their, you know, in their living room, um, it, it's a problem. And to have distributors just throwing their hands up, anyway. Uh, soapbox, do we have a soapbox sound?
1: What would, what would a soapbox sound be? Yeah, like a speaker's corner kind of thing maybe?
0: Or, you know, like a, a... Just the sound of a, <laughs> a, of a box being dragged across a concrete floor and you know, those, <laughs> the, those hollow wooden steps. Uh, anyway, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it just astounds me that there just seems to be this attitude that, well, this is just something we have to accept.
1: Yeah, and, and the fact that we've had more than one in the last couple of months, uh, is not a sign that the, oh, well this is just something that's happening. This is a danger sign. This is a danger sign for craft overall. We, it, it, quality has to come first, second and third. We we, we just can't accept this anymore. It's, we really just need to back off on the, well, you know, it's only one can and it's only happened once or, or whatever. 400, 500 breweries now. Everyone's responsibility um, is is to each other because when somebody comes off the street and goes from mainstream to you know this thing called craft. Um, when they drink your beer for the first time, they're drinking everyone's.
0: And, and I would be willing to say, um, yeah, you know, look, I, I'd be willing to have a bet um, that nobody has had a can of New Belgium or a bottle of New Belgium um, explode because they pasteurize. And there was a great um, somebody shared a. Uh, Post on um, the from Beer Advocate talking about this where somebody had sort of weighed in sort of saying, you know, isn't it a shame that Louis Pasteur died taking his secret with him? Um, <laughs> 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 because it's exact there are ways to get around this. And if you're going to say we're not going to pasteurize our beer because of quality concerns with pasteurized beer, then I'm sorry, an exploding can of beer is far worse than any slight. Dimun, diminution, diminination,
1: diminution, Dimin- diminution
0: <laughs> <diminutionisational>. <laughs> Any slight lessening of the <laughs> of the flavour of craft beer um, from flash pasteurising. Um, you know the, the the breweries that are growing bigger are pasteurising, and you know they're they're explaining why. If you're not going to pasteurise, don't send your beer around the world. Don't send your beer to sit for twelve months on a warm shelf. Um, and then say, well, we're not pasteurising because of the quality of our beer. Um, you know, there, there are answers to this, um, and or maybe don't send the beers that have got fruit sugars in them. Uh, you know, that, that have added fruit, because there are some beers that are more likely. And when you do speak to retailers, it is the um, you know the, the the fruit IPAs that are the ones that seem to have the greatest um, risk of it happening.
1: We keen to hear from um, from brewers uh, who either. Uh, don't or refuse to pasteurize or those who used to feel that way but have now changed um just just opinions on you know how do we do it how, how do we solve this problem because it's, it's it's not going to go away um and at the risk of a really bad pun you know at, at some point it's going to blow up in our faces
0: <laughs> and hopefully we're wearing safety goggles when we do because that's it, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah anyway so um i, I think that's our deep dive uh, done prof we'd we'd just be uh, going back over Whew. No, that was good. Uh, the uh, giving this episode a name is going to be an interesting one. Matt. <laughs> it happens with all beers, Prof. It's <laughs> that, that, <that's... laughs> a part of doing business. <laughs> um, uh,
1: good time to jump into what is a reasonably bulging mailbag this week, Matt. Yes, Prof. And now I've been, I've been on holiday, so I've um, when I last checked on our uh, Google document, it the um, well, Google sponsor us, so we able to call it. Sorry, our shared We're document, not the ABC uh, platform. We, we'll... <laughs> Uh, there was only one letter, so uh, I have, I'm i yet to read
0: okay. the, the new one. So
1: I might start off by reading, diving into the mailbag. And the first one is, again, from Grant McCarron. Hey there. My wife and I refer to, inverted commas, location beer rather than the bintang effect to avoid the <laughs> trademark awkwardness. Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Um that's
0: yeah, a good one. I
1: don't mind that. Yeah, well, because, uh, like, yeah we shouldn't, you know.
0: No, no. It's not like we're picking on Bintang or anything. No, 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 no. Because I, last week I referred to um, Trademark because um, on uh, another podcast. On um, another podcast, yeah, yeah, it had d-
1: been suggested that. <laughs> well, that well you were
0: the, 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 they, they spent some time talking about the Bintang effect, but then there was this derisory. Uh, well, well, maybe I'm being a bit sensitive. I felt it was a bit derisory. Or did he even come up with it? Um, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I did. But anyway, okay, with that, well, but call, Grant, it, call it Bintang at location beer. Location beer. Yep. Uh, it Bintang in Bali, Vonu in
1: Fiji, Kilme, Kilmes.
0: Kilmes. In Argentina, Quilmes. Kilmes.
1: Kilmes. Kilmes. Uh, okay. or Dos Equis, or Twenties in uh, or Mexico, Sam or Sam Adams.
0: Isn't that what funny they? to see Sam Adams thrown in with Bintang, Vonu, um, and Dos Equis. Yeah, because, well, That's... apart from the fact that... It's not the company well, that never Sam been, Adams would want to be keeping. I've never been to Bali
1: or Fiji or Argentina or Mexico, but I have been to Boston. I didn't drink any Sam Adams while I was there. <laughs> I, did, I didn't, have a, didn't have a chance. But I can get it anywhere. So, it's, yeah, perhaps that's a little bit different. But anyway, they, um, all these beers taste way better when consumed in their home zones. P.S. Foster's is not a location beer for Australia because it's effing everywhere. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Grant. Thanks for that, Grant.
0: Yes, and uh, great letter. Um, next one, another great letter from Bradford Tetlow. Um, who's do you, know, uh, do you know Bradford? I know Bradford very well. Back from his days at that's, the, that's the AIBA, way. he was working at, it was the AIBA, it was Sydney Beer Company, he was working for the Australian National Beer Awards before he went on, or was it Sydney Beer Awards?
1: Maybe in Sydney, but I've, I've judged with Bradford uh,
0: the last five or six years or so mm, but when i went to yeah. bro- went on to proof, uh, yeah uh, little creatures um as you possibly know from my facebook feed yes i've been watching very jealously uh his <laughs> uh, situ- uh, situational updates i'm currently enjoying a 12 month sabbatical to explore europe and its mm. dynamic beer scene uh, i took six months leave from little creatures but eventually had to resign knowing i wouldn't be back for a while uh, do you talk about living your best life? You know, resigning from Little Creatures because you're spending so long in Europe uh, travelling around, uh, checking out the beer scene. Um, having access to your podcast while I travel keeps me in touch with what's going on back home. In fact, I'm currently flying from Lisbon to Oslo and just listened to your Committed to Compliance episode. I had a chance to visit 4Pure earlier this year and it was pretty amazing place. Hopefully by the time I get back to the UK next month, the Little Creatures Brew Bar at Regent's Canal will be up and running and I'm going to try and visit Magic Rock. Um, we might see if we can tee up a cross. With Breford.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, on we'll the ground, our, our man on the ground in, uh, in the UK. Yeah.
0: Um, it's been fascinating to see how craft brewers in countries such as Portugal, Spain, listen to this, Prof, it doesn't make you sick, Portugal, Spain and Italy um, that are more wine-drinking nations that see beer as a commodity have had to respond within the craft beer movement. With, yeah, within the craft beer movement. Uh, changes and trends that happened over five to ten years in Australia are accelerated here. Um, the slipstreaming. Um, I wonder if that slipstreaming the same as we've been slipstreaming behind the US, Prof. Um, they're drafting. Drafting, drafting of yes. our, yeah. Craft brewers who are introducing customers to the idea of an IPA are also offering nipers, gozers, sows, and barrel-aged rissers, um, Russian Imperial stats. And they are doing it really well. I don't know if you saw my article in Froth magazine, but even the super conservative Swiss, I missed that, I'll have to go back and look at Froth um, to see that, uh, producing some amazing beers. In some ways, it feels like the rest of the crest of the pioneering years of craft, beer akin to Australia about 10 years ago. If I can afford it, I'm going to keep uh, looking forward to hunting down some Norwegian farmhouse beers and see what they're doing with, you now I'm going to pronounce this wrong, yeah. Could be. I'll have to go back to the Crafty Pine article where it was explained. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Um, thank you, Excellent. Bradford. We're, yes, we're and all very jealous. I'll uh, reply and see if we can get uh, some time with Bradford. Um, yeah, now, no, another one good. from the Facebook group. Um, running James Whelan posted, uh, breweries trying to walk before they can crawl. On holiday over in regional Western Australia and popped into a bottle shop which had two doors of craft beers around 20 to 30 S, uh, SKUs, um, stock-keeping units. Uh, Looking through uh, them, there was only one brewery which had three separate brands in the fridge whose beers were brewed in the last three months. The rest, including the likes of Pirate Life, were all brewed six to nine months ago. It's an expensive exercise to build brand awareness. A craft brewery is pushing stock into more places without the ability to have it pulled out of stores by consumers. And I'll just throw in there, it's not in the show notes, Prof, but we also had... um, Phil from the uh, uh, Facebook group also um, went through a brewery and you know bought a four pack um, in preparation for a camping trip from memory and and um, was disappointed that the beer you know was two months old buying it direct from the brewery he was expecting something fresh from the, the camping brewery, line yeah. so thought that was worth yeah having a bit of a chat about um, because yes. Um, I, I think there is a perception that if you're buying cans from a brewery that it is going to be hashtag FAF um, when it's possibly not because there, there's a, you know, when you get the, the canning um, business in or you've got your own canning line uh, you have to do a minimum run um, and if you're not selling that through then you are going to get beer that's a little bit um, older um, at the brewery at least you know it's most likely going to be refrigerated um and i think we do need to be a little bit reasonable about our expectations for breweries prof don't what what do you think on that one yeah
1: for sure and look it's a a difficult thing too even with a brewery um and this is just in microcosm but just yesterday i went and had a visit at uh the current big shed brewing concern in royal park in south australia so about 10-15 minutes from the city and then went and visited uh the great big pile of uh, excavated dirt that is in six months' time will be their, their brand new brewery. Um, and I thought, look, I've got to do the right thing and I'll, I'll grab some beer uh, to take home. But while we were sort of just sitting, chatting at the bar and finishing up our, our conversation, there were a couple of just regular customers who had sort of come in to buy a case of this or a case of that. Um, I'm travelling, so I just said, I'm just going to you know, grab a T-shirt and a, and a six-pack. Um, and it occurred to me that, yeah, do, do most people come in and, and buy... Um, You know, the full pack or a mixed carton or whatever it might be versus coming in to buy a six pack. Um, So, even though all that beer might have gone into the cool room or um, wherever it was stored uh, at the same time, if somebody wants a six pack, okay, you're going to open up the carton. You're not then going to put a a spare six pack from the one before into that to make up another carton. So, does the rest of that carton, you know, the the three six packs kind of sit there a little bit longer, maybe? because it's not the brewery's core business, do they kind of keep a a note on that that sort of stock? I was in a big, beautiful cool room. I had one last night at an F.E.A. Pale Ale. Absolutely banging. Like, it was as as, as nice as the one that I had at the bar while we were uh, recording a beer as a conversation chat. Um, Is it just one of those things? We just need to, I guess, become a little bit more vigilant. And maybe, Matt, we're, you know... (laughs) In your going back to your Doctor Evil kind of um, uh, thing from before, are we kind of breeding um, you know this this new wave of of drinkers who are looking you know turning the, turn your beer upside down before you buy it you know have a look at the dates? Um, so is it is it just something that that becomes more I guess uh, habitual, and that, that's a, that's a good thing I think.
0: Yeah, look, again, a more informed consumer is always going to be better for the industry. Um, But I I guess the question is whether, you know, beer should be able to last. While we talk about, you know, beer being great fresh, well looked after, you know, beer should be tasting well, you know, within 90 days. Um, And and that's one of the things that when when you look at some of the the, the industry-leading breweries, they do say, look, you know, um, you know, hop... Um, driven beers, particularly and lagers, are going to be um, at their best within ninety days, um, and that seems to be the, the period at which the beer is um, at its peak, but also um, you know has a reasonable you know commerciality um, uh, opportunity to sell it. But then we do we, we do start seeing the situation where if you put ninety days uh, ninety day best before date then you get people you know a beer is only you know four weeks old and they're going oh this has only got two months left on it whereas this beer has six months left on it I'll buy the six month old beer um, so and, and and that beer is six weeks old compared to you know one month old um, we, we do need to educate ourselves but we also need to have reasonable expectations um, for what we. What what we expect from from uh, you know breweries and then bottle shops, um, but by the same token, brewers also need to understand their beer um, and know. You know, have a, a program in place where they know how their beer is holding up if they are going to sell it from the east coast to the west coast. They, you know, and know that it's going to be sitting in a, you know, in hopefully in a fridge, um, in in a retail outlet somewhere. They need to know how it's going to be, you know, in six or nine months' time. Um, so they've got an awareness of how it's responding in trade, um, because otherwise they're they're not doing their brand, they're not doing their beer, and they're not doing their consumer. Um, you know, the, the a service that. advances. The beer deserves. Yeah, the the beer deserves. And ultimately, there will be a blowback.
1: That's it. And look, the cold hard truth is that the market will decide. So if if there's a brewery out there that's putting out beers that just never explode, um, and they're always fresh, and they've got sales staff that are keeping on top of that, they'll get the
0: business. Although, will there be be attitudinal uh, shift where... We just go, well, you know, sometimes it's going to blow up. Sometimes it's going to take cra- taste crappy. But that's what the cause of good beer is all about. <laughs> Accepting that sometimes, you know, sometimes it's sunshine and some days it's clouds. <laughs> I hope not that. I hope not. Uh,
1: now, listen, we must uh, we must away. The time we've, is our listeners perfect. For another week. Uh, absolutely perfect. We've, we've done really well. The only thing left to do is to award thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who. Uh, kindly supply us with a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer uh, for our letter of the week. I think Matt Stanfield. Matt, yes. Who, was, uh, who yes. wasn't actually technically in the the letters, but this is proved that you don't actually have to send us in an official letter. Um, so that was as a result of a um, feedback on our new Facebook group, secret code word, Soapbox. Uh, come and join us. Um, so well done, Matt. Click us a postal address and we'll get those beers, thanks to Beer Cartel, out to you. Some of them may even include labels matt from Relling's labels um and our listeners don't have to call 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get their small batch canning labels done but um some brewers might want to
0: brewers yes uh Rallings labels brewers if you like uh, listening to the show support the businesses that support us and uh, particularly when they're doing a great service and all of the feedback we've been getting from Relling's is that that's exactly what they provide Um, Nothing but the best.
1: Apropos, Matt, of my chat yesterday with the boys at uh, Big Shed, while we are doing our beer as a conversation, they just happened to mention that they're uh, looking for some marketing advice. So I may or may not have slipped them a uh, business card from uh, one of our regular contributors and good friend of the program.
0: Oh, good. But uh, yeah. yeah, actually we, we I'm do. Talk, I'm talking about totem marketing, totem <laughs> yeah, marketing. Yeah. Zoe, oh, Ottaway. Zoe, Zoe Ottaway, who we need to get back more often. Um, but just very quickly, we we do have a minute um, before we hit the uh, one hour, and so I just thought, you know, listeners, and particularly brewers, if you do listen to the show, if you like what you get for free, um, and just have to suffer through the the, the very tasteful ads um, that we do, um, you you seamless, can seamless. they're seamless. They are seamless, and and consumers, uh, you know, listeners. Um, who don't have a business, um, if you want to jump on and just sort of sling us a dollar a month or a couple of dollars a month and uh, make sure Prof gets his own room when we do travel Um, and businesses, you can jump on and even if you don't want to advertise on Radio Brews News, you can sponsor the the website um, and you can do that and think of it as a subscription. You know, uh, you, you're paying for all of the great free content that we put together that helps support your industry and the industry that you make your living from. Um, we'd like to make a living from that industry by helping you as well. So just quick little plug for us, Prof.
1: That's it. That's to all those brewers except the ones whose cans explode. You're on your own.
0: <laughs> well, I don't. That's the thing. The, the people that sponsor us are the ones that seem to be the people that have, a, you know, a, a certain approach to things that differs from people whose cans explode.
1: Thank you very much to all of our listeners. Thank you very much to all of our supporters and sponsors, particularly Cryomalt, Rellings, Labels and Stickers and Beer Cartel. Thanks very much, Matt. It's been a great chat. I'm going to get back now. Um, enjoy Easter, everyone, because this, will, this episode will come out on Good Friday. So have a good Friday and have an even greater uh, long weekend. Enjoy some quality beers and some quality time with your families. Why don't you?
0: Happy Easter, Prof, and uh, drive safe. Take care. Thanks
1: very much, listeners. Don't forget um, the Facebook group, Soapbox. Soapbox. Uh, very relevant this week. So thanks very much and we'll see you all again next week.
0: And we are out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener and thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.